Thank you, bro. All right, um, before we get started, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I come to you saying thank you. Thank for allowing us to be here this morning. We ask you to give for all our sin and our sinful thoughts, Lord. Pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But most of all, thank you for your only begotten son dying on that cross. Lord, I pray that you would take over me, mind, body, and soul. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth will come from you. I pray that people will understand this is not about me. It's about you and only you. And I pray that we will find our identity in you and only you. I pray that the men in this room will understand what you have made them to be, which is lions, warriors, and leaders. I pray that women will understand that they are gifts from you and they ought to be handled with precious care, Lord. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them an understanding that only and only comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, before I get started, y'all will see me walking around because, like Brian said, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't think nothing's wrong with that. I don't, so don't go out here saying, Willie said, there's something wrong with pastors preaching from the pulpit. I didn't say that. I like being around people. It's just who I am. So I like walking up and down the aisles and uh, just talking to people. Um, before we get started, I would like to share a little bit about myself because I feel if you understand where I come from, you'll understand why the parable of the talents means so much to me. Um, I grew up in Memphis in what most people would call the inner city or the hood in a single-parent home. And in that single-parent home, I can remember being about three, two or three years old and my mom divorcing my dad. And I can remember him breaking into the house, grabbing my mom by her, dragging her outside in front of the whole neighborhood and beating her with a wood broom about that thick. I also can remember my mom telling me stories about how my dad would take a gun and pull it to, put it to her head and pull the trigger, but it didn't go off. Or how she was in the tub and he would take a radio and try to electrocute her. Now imagine hearing all this at a young age and think of the things it does to your mind. So if a father is not in the household, and women, please understand, I'm not saying this in no bad way. Please understand this. My mom is a gangster. She raised three kids on her own and always got her college degree. She's a gangster. But it's one thing my mama couldn't teach me, and that was what it was to be a man. She could give me all these things. She could tell me, but I had no example of that. And the example that I had came from the streets. So you're going to hear me say a couple words or say some things that most people will say ain't Christian. Well, if you don't like what I say or like who I am, take that up with God because this is who he made me to be. And I refuse to serve man. I serve one God, and that's God. That's my only master. So growing up without a male figure in the household, well, you turn to the streets. And them become your male figures. Them become your leaders. So in my neighborhood, the ones that had all the money, the ones that had all the girls, I'm just going to be honest, the ones that had all the cars and all the fame was the drug dealers. So that's what I wanted to be. I can remember me and my god brother sitting on my mama's porch and looking at each other and saying, when we get older, we're going to be one of the biggest drug dealers Memphis have ever seen. Has ever seen. So we sat down with the drug dealer that was in my neighborhood. And for me, some people might not like what I'm about to say, but it's just facts. It's truth. I respect drug dealers. And I know it sounds crazy coming from a Christian, but let me explain to you why I respect them. Because, see, when my mom's lights was going off, they paid their bill. When I didn't have food to eat, they provided food. When I didn't have shoes on my feet, they provided that. See, a drug dealer is a leader. He just don't know how to lead. 
And the problem is that as Christians, we won't come to them and say, hey, it's sad that you have to turn to this because you couldn't be a Christian man. You couldn't hang with that. Our problem is we allow the world to dictate what Christianity looks like. That's the problem. We got to let this dictate what Christianity looks like. So I can remember me and my brother saying, me and my God brother saying this, and I can remember us going to the drug dealer, and he looked at us in our face and he said, if this is something you want to do, you got to be willing to kill somebody. I got a young man that's here with me right now named Braden. And uh, last week, me and him had to have a talk with somebody I knew that was in that life. Because for some reason, kids these age think that that is cool or glorify that type of behavior. And that same person told him the exact same thing. Am I right? Told him the exact same thing. So I remember when he said this to me, and um, I looked at my God, brother. I said, man, I don't know about that, bro. I ain't ready to kill nobody. That's kind of crazy. And my God, brother, looked at me and said, yeah, we got to figure something else out. Well, it just so happened I was good at basketball. So I put all my energy, I found my identity in basketball, and by the graces of God, I got a full ride to the University of Massachusetts. UMass, when I was coming out, was like Duke in Kentucky. And you just didn't hear kids from Memphis, from where I'm from, going to schools like that. So I went up there, and I got kicked out after two years because I had this mentality, which I used to call a hood mentality, but now I know it's a sinful nature. I went up there for two years, got kicked out, and I ended up finishing at Tennessee Tech. If you Google me, you will see I won almost every award you can win in basketball in college. Out of 64 players at the NBA camp, I was top 10. I sat down with the logo, Jerry West, at the, at, uh, the Grizzlies, at the FedEx Forum, and they was thinking about drafting me. And he asked me a question. He said, Willie, why should we draft you? And because of my hood mentality, and because nobody never showed me who God was or even showed me that he lived in me, the first thing that came out of my mouth was pure ignorance. Because if you don't, you're going to effing lose. And I didn't say effing, I said the word. He looked at me and said, Mr. Jenkins, have a nice day. 2.3 million gone down the drains. That fast. I walked out of there and my agent called me and he said, uh, man, what did you do? Jerry Weston said, they ain't drafting you. I said, I just told the truth, because back then, I know some of y'all might be Grizzly fans, but back then, they was terrible. Let's be honest. They was terrible. Uh, I don't even know none of the players back then. This was before Zebo and all of them came. They was terrible. And he said, well, man, I got a job for you overseas for $100,000. And where I'm from, you don't turn that down. So I left and I went overseas. And while I was overseas, the San Antonio Spurs came knocking. And they came to my coach and they said, uh, we believe Willie can back up Tony Parker. And here you go again with this hood mentality. I looked at the Spurs coach and said, I ain't no effing backup. 1.5 million. Gone. Just like that. Because I didn't understand my value. So I stayed overseas. I played pro overseas for about 10 years. Uh, made all type of money. Uh, I, I did everything that the world tell me a man could do. Whether it was women, that's my wife over there, and I thank the Lord for her because I don't deserve her. I do not deserve her. She has been, outside of Christ, she's the next best gift I could ever ask for. And um, I, I made all this money, but I didn't have peace. I couldn't sleep at night, and I never understood why. 
uh, to a partner of mine named Jeff Trotter. He invited me to a, a meeting with this man named Sue Campbell. And um, I can remember walking into this meeting. I was getting ready to go back over to Saudi Arabia to, for the first time. And um, I walked into this meeting, and it was these men, and they had it, it was in a circle, and Suit was standing right in front of me. And if he was here, he'd tell you this is true. I sat down, and he said, if you're going to be a part of this group, you got to go on a mission trip in the next two years. I looked at Soup, and I don't know if people know who Soup is. If you do, you know how he is. I looked at Soup, and I said, man, you ain't my effing daddy. You can't tell me what to do. You're not Jesus. And I walked out. My partner, Jeff Trotter, said, man, what did you think? I said, man, y'all on some coach stuff. Man. I ain't never seen nothing like this, man. I'm going to go overseas and get my money. So I went to Saudi Arabia. And if you know anything about Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is a Muslim country. And in Saudi Arabia, if they was to walk through this door right now, everybody here, they had a right to kill. And the reason being is because men and women cannot be together unless you're family or that's your wife. So I can remember being at the, at the game, and everybody is number of men. It's about 250 men and their sons. And they dressed in their headdress, fully attired, and the whistle blows. And I look, and I look at the clock. The game's still going on. Ain't nobody called no timeout. I see one group stand up, team, the team was playing stand up. Then I see my teammates stand up, and I'm the only so-called Christian in the building. I'm definitely the only American, because you only could have one American per team. And that team decided they didn't want no American. So I can remember looking, and I see all these men and their sons come out the stands. And I look at my bag, because that's where I kept my passport. And I said, uh, I don't know what's going on, but all I know about Muslim is CNN, bombs and killing. So I'm from Memphis. I'm going to take at least three of y'all out before y'all blow this mug up. That's for sure. And something told me, stand still. And I stood at the middle of the court. And I watched these men and their sons come out, wash their hands, wash their feet, pull these rugs out to the east. An older man got up in front, and I watched them pray to their God. Over in Saudi Arabia, you can't even get water when it's time to pray. They're in the middle of the desert. If they're driving, they will pull off and go to a mosque and pray. They pray five times a day. And I called my partner, Jeff, and I told him what I seen. I said, man, I get what Soup was saying. See, we say that their religion is wrong, but they pray five times a day religiously. But we won't even hold our hands over our food at Chili's because we're ashamed of what people will say to a God that we say is real. I said, man, something ain't right about this. I grabbed my Bible when I went back to my apartment, and I said, God, I don't know nothing about this, but I promise you, before my feet leave the ground and before my feet hit, hit the ground, I will get in your word every day. Please guide me. And for six months, he told me up. I'm talking about told me up. And I didn't understand nothing, but all I knew is I was being convicted of all the things that I was doing. And when I got back to the States, I got met up with, with Soup. And I told him, I said, man, I don't understand this, but help me. Guide me. And ever since then, me and him been together. So the lesson I'm about to teach on is the parable of the talents. Can you pull it up for me? This is one of the first lessons that he gave to me. And um, it means so much to me. 
So we're going to walk through this. It's Matthew 25. So if you have your Bible, please pull it out. And I might call on some of you. It's just how I am. Um, please don't take it personal. It's not personal. I just believe we're one body, and I'm not in a higher authority. We all should be learning together and growing together under God. So let's start right here. Let me know when everybody, does everybody have it? Good. It says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his property, his possessions to them. Stay right there for me. Stay right there for me if you don't mind. For it's just like a man. Well, for us to understand this, this is the problem with a lot of people. We read this book and we think Western. You can't read this book and think Western because it wasn't written in, written in Western times. You've got to do your research and your homework. You've got to dig. The Old Testament is Hebrew. The New Testament is Greek. So you've got to go back and look up these words and these meanings. So that word like, the Greek word for that, like, that word like is hosper. It's H-O-S-P-E-R. Make sure I got that right. H-O-S-P-E-R. And that word means exactly like, with emphasis. So Jesus was like, for it is exactly like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. See, he left no doubt that this was exactly like the kingdom of heaven. So he took away all your doubt, all your thoughts, and right now you will understand that this is exactly like the kingdom of heaven. So when we go through this text and you get upset, don't be mad at me because I didn't write it. Be mad at the one who wrote it. See, I went through this text with soup, and it convicted me, and I was on my knees weeping because I did not understand until somebody broke it down to me. I hope I didn't break this thing up here. If so, Brian, build my wife. Where you at? Where Brian at? Be my wife, man. Don't be me. Okay. All right. So he said it was exactly like a man about to go on a journey. But then he also said who called his own slaves. So I want to ask you all a question. When you see that word slave, what do you think? Let's talk. Let's not be passive. We're talking about God's word. When you hear that word slave, what is one of the first things that popped in your mind? I can't hear you. Slave, say it. American slavery. Come on, let's talk. Servant. Give me something else. Bonds, who said that? Great job. Bond slavery. When I first saw that word, for me, the first thing I thought was bondage, pain, persecution, uh, all type of words that was negative. Well, that word means doulos. The Greek word for that is doulos. And it's spelled D-O-U-L-O-S. D-O-U-L-O-S. A doulos is a bond servant. And a bond servant is someone who was purchased by his master to be set free. But because he loved his master so much, he chose to come back and work for his master. See, everyone in here who says they're a Christian is a bond servant, is a slave. God's son is only begotten son to die for us. He purchased us with his blood. And we voluntarily came back to serve him. That's what a bond servant is. That's what that word slave is. 
And then he says, and he entrusted his possessions to them. So that right there tell me that God has given everybody that says they're a Christian something. And he entrusted that to you. It doesn't belong to you, but you are to be faithful with it until he returns. Let's keep going, my guy. To one, he gave five talents. That word talent is teleton. And it's spelled T-A-L-A-N-T-O-T. T-O-N. Talaton. And it is said that one talent is equivalent to 15 years of someone's wages. One talent. So let's say you was making $40,000. In 15 years, I think that's $600,000. One talent is equivalent to that. And he gave this dude five. I don't know about you, but I would like to be that guy with five right now. Bills got to be paid, and there's a lot I can do with that. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. When you read that, for me, what caught me was, why did he say according to his own ability? See, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what God has given you. But as humans... We are so busy complaining about what we don't have, we can't even focus on what we do have. Brian shared that I was able to coach his son and a couple more young men um, through basketball. See, basketball is just a tool. The young men is the blessing. We ought to use the tool to pour into the blessing, and that's them young men. We got so many things that God has given us, but we don't do nothing with it because we're so worried about what the Johnsons got and not what he has blessed us with. Let's keep going. Immediately, the one who had received five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. He went immediately. You keep going. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more talents. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So it's like he took what God had given him. Let's say this was it. He put it down, and he just sat on it and just sat there with it. Didn't do nothing with it. Didn't talk about it. Nothing. He kept it for himself. He was selfish. Now, I ask y'all to look at them three people and figure out which one is you. That's between you and the Lord. But I don't think he wants you to do be that person that just sits on what he has given you. Let's keep going, my guy. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Everybody who's a Christian, those are the words you want to hear when you see the Father. Well done, good and faithful servant or slave. Those are the words that we want to hear. He says, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Remember, I told y'all I didn't have peace of joy 
until I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I think we got, the, got some words confused. We think fun equals peace and joy. It does not. You can have fun doing a lot of things, but the only way you're going to have peace and joy is through the Father and the Father only. Them young men, yeah, I put them through the rigors, and they was not having fun. You can ask either one of them. Was it fun? It was not fun. But by the end, they had peace and joy. God says that we ought to sacrifice for his name. So things in life is not going to be fun. I hear kids say that all the time. Well, I'm not doing that because it's not fun. Well, coach, you need to change the way you coach because my son is not having fun. Where in the Bible does it say he's supposed to have fun? We're trying to be a man, not Adams. And if you know your Bible, you understand what I mean by the first Adam. He was passive. He didn't reject passivity. He didn't obey the Lord. That's why sin entered the world. We're trying to be a man, godly man. So let's get that understood between that word fun and joy. Because I, I, I'm not a, I don't like it. I'll just be honest. I don't like it. Let's keep going. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrust two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Now, I'm not no mathematician, but I do know 10 is greater than 4. Why would God tell them both the same thing? If 10 is greater than 4. Talk to me. Let's not be passive. There you go. Because they worked according to their business. Like I said before, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Let's keep going. And the one also who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I know you. You to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. That word afraid right there, it, made, it, it struck something in me because for God did not give us a spirit of fear but of love, power. And some versions say self-control, some say self-discipline. But he called him master. How can you... Be a servant of the Lord, but be afraid when he don't even give you that spirit. So that told me that this guy right here is something missing from his relationship with the Lord. It's something he don't know right here. And then he said, and I was afraid and went away and hid your talent. So he knew it was God's talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Is he going? But his master answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy slave. You know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Stay there for me. So I started digging and because that word afraid bothered me. And what I ran across was this. Like I said before, you got to read the word and dig back when it was written. And I was like, why would this dude who he called Jesus his master do the opposite of what he told him to do? 
Well, in reality, if you go back and you look at the Jewish days, when a kid was 15, he would go to the rabbi and ask the rabbi, can I follow you? And if the rabbi said yes, then the kid would be with the rabbi until he was 30. If the rabbi went to the restroom, the kid would go to the restroom with him. If the rabbi came in here walking with a limp, the kid would walk right behind the rabbi with that same limp. Because that was like the greatest honor you can get. But in that, if a rabbi gave his disciple money, his job was to protect the money. So he would go dig a hole in the ground and hide it. So it actually, the last person was just doing what his culture had told him to do. But see, God didn't tell him to do that. Now let's think about us right now. How many of us do what our culture tells us to do and not what these words tell us to do? Because we're afraid what people might say. See, we got to get back and we got to understand. I hear people say this to me all the time. Willie, have you read this book? Have you read that book? Have you read this book? And I asked him, I said, out of them books you asked me to read, what have you obeyed in them books? Uh, 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 exactly. Don't give me no book that you ain't obeying. I don't want it. But they forget about the book. This is the book. See, we'll let our world, we'll let this culture dictate what Christianity should look like. No. And God punished this, this guy for doing that. Let's keep going. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be, be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. So this part right here really got me. And I'm still digging on it. I got saved when I was 31. I'm 37 right now. And I, it, it, I've been in this text for six years. That's how big God's word is. Once you think you got something, he smacks you in your mouth with something else in that same word. The problem is, we won't master nothing. If your pastor came in here and he preached on the parable of the talents today, then he came back next Sunday and preached on it again. Everybody be like, oh, okay, I done heard this before. But then he came back the next Sunday and preached on it again. Y'all start whispering about that mug. Hey, man, this mug here, that's all he know? He need to give us something else. But if he stayed on it for a year, half of y'all would walk up out of here. It'd be a whole different church. Why? When most of you can't even take what he taught and reteach it. It's so much in God's word. God's word is like an ocean. And once you learn one thing, it's just like dropping a pebble in that ocean. So I've been on this for six years. And my wife will tell you, I was up late last night and I got up early this morning because it is out of darkness. I want to know what that means, and I'm still digging. I don't know, but some theologians say that he's talking about hell right here, that he cast them in hell. But then you got other theologians that say, well, how could he cast them into hell? Because once you're saved, we all know you can't get unsaved. They say the outer darkness was a realm where... Um, like back in the day, in the Jewish days, they would have parties. And if you weren't part of the royal royalty, you had to go into where it was out of darkness. 
So it would be like the light was over here, but the outer darkness was over there. You still was in the party. You still was in the room, but you just weren't a part of the royalty. So it's so much there, and I would encourage you to dig it out. But from what I have found, and that's when we're going to go to these next verses, this is what it told me. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the, shep as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. When you look up that word Lord right there, that's the same word that was used for master in the parable of the talents. So that's where it started getting a little, uh, God, are you saying that this is the same thing and this is what this out of darkness means? Why would you use the same word, the same Greek word for that? And that Greek word, make sure I got it right. The Greek word is K-Y-R-I-O-S. It's the same word used for master when they called him master in the parable of the talents. Then it says, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the last of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accuse ones into the internal fire, which, his, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now when I saw that, I was so excited that I kind of, I wanted to get to the next verse because I was like, hold up, God, what are you saying right here? That I really didn't see the depart from me, and I really didn't see prepare for the devil and his angels. So that tells me whatever comes next, Willie, you need to pay attention because there's something here. Let's go, if you don't mind. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. Keep going. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they, the people on the left, themselves also will answer, Lord. That's the exact same word that's in the parable of the talent for master. They will, they will say Lord. So they called him Lord. And that word Lord 
means, and this was through me for a loop, it means supreme, ruler, God. So how can you call someone Lord in both of them, because it's the same word, but in this, in this one it says they're going to hell. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of other disciples knew Judas was going to turn on Jesus? Talk to me. None of them. Who knew? Jesus. See, we can walk around here and we can call him Lord. We can do everything that Christians do, just like Judas did. He ate with him. He prayed with him. He learned from the Father. He did everything like the disciples, but he wasn't one of them. It's the same thing with us. We can walk around here. We can eat like them, talk like them, quote scripture like them, do everything like them. But God knows the heart. Man sees the outer. You can fake it till you make it all you want, but you will not make it faking with the Lord. Start being who God has made you to be and stop faking it. Because at some point you will be exposed and you might be leading someone away from God and not towards them. That's why I am the way I am. For 31 years of my life, I led people away because I didn't know and I refused to lead them away now. We have to stand up and be who God has made us to be. If not, things will keep going the exact same way they're going. And these kids will be led the wrong way. And then he says, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you? Keep going for me. Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the last of these, you did not do to me. Do it to me. These will, these will go away into internal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. I don't know if that does anything for you. My job as a Christian is to spread the seed. God does the growth. If there's anything I have talked about that you do not agree with, go do your own research on it. Because if I can convince you, someone else can convince you. I mean, unconvince you. My, God, my job is not to convince you. My job is to set, spread the seed. God does the growth. After seeing this, I pray that every night, because this is something I do, and I'm not telling you to do it, but every night, every day, as I'm driving, as I'm walking, I'm praying and asking God to guide my footsteps and tell me if I'm doing something that's not of him. That's the way we got to look at things. I told y'all I grew up in a, a rough environment here in Memphis, Tennessee, Whitehaven. And man, when I got saved, I put the basketball down, and I said, God, I'm going to use this tool for your kingdom. And that's how I ended up coaching these young men. But God has worked in my life. I can't turn back on him. Like, it's just, I can't. I was talking to my man here that's going to Louisville and, uh, in the restroom, and uh, he told me he was from Raleigh East, but I asked him did he know some people, and he shared with me. You mind, you mind if I share what we talked about, sir? He shared with me, he said, uh, man, I don't know if I know them folks because I, you know, dropped out of school. I didn't make it through. 
And I started laughing on the inside of my head. And the reason was because, see, I didn't learn how to read until I was 31, but I got my college degree. And God taught me how to read through his word. That's what I read, and that's how I learned my wife to tell you. See, it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. And if you don't submit to him the right way, you're going to lead people the wrong way. But if you submit to him, he'll take your ugly mess and empower people with it, baby. That's just who he is. So I thank y'all for allowing me to come today. I would like to pray with everyone real quick. And then, Brian, you can have it, baby. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you. Uh, Again, just saying thank you. Thank you for taking our ugly mess and using it for your kingdom and your kingdom only. I pray that we will submit to you in any and everything that we do. And I pray, Lord, we will stand on your word. I pray we will stand bold and be, just be amazed by who you are and what you are. And no matter what people tell us, we will not defer. Give us strength, give us wisdom, give us knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.